one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Just remember that, Clint. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen between them, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, there won't be a cold milk and cloudy for at least a week. Hello, everyone. You're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse, and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer, Oisin McConville, by the former Kerry footballer, Brian Sheehan, and by the sports editor and football manager of the Douglas minor football team, Tony Lean. We are, we are here to talk about club games. We're going to talk about the managerial merry-go-round, which has seen some extraordinary appointments. We're going to talk about those processes. But we're going to start with what is quite striking news in the last two weeks, and it's the return to inter-county football, uh, as announced by Desi Farrell, uh, of Jack McCaffrey, and Paul Mannion. Brian, what did you think when you saw that? Uh, yeah, I suppose a bit of a worry for Kerry, to be honest. Um, I suppose in particular, if you look at the calibre of Paul Mannion, if he was playing above McCraw Park in the All-Ireland semi-final, would Kerry got over the line? Um, I think he's that good of a footballer. I think he would have made a massive, massive difference to that Dublin team. Um so yeah, worry news for the rest of the county or the rest of the country. I would I would definitely say, but Jack McCaffrey as well. Um, experience, speed. Um, you know he's going to take marking as a wing back. You don't usually go marking wing backs, but he's the kind of a fellow that you're going to have to put a plan a plan in place to look after him. Um, it, I suppose I suppose the only concern is that he hasn't played a whole pile of football. But I'd imagine if he's getting back into the swing of things, he has. The whole league to get under, to get under his belt before uh, the hits the ground running come championship. But um, yeah, look, I think it's it's a massive coup for for Dublin to get to get the two boys back into the setup, and um, I think it's 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 going to be a massive addition to the Dublin because let's face it, they weren't far off winning the All Ireland. They lost to Kerry, um, missing with the last kick of the game, really. Yeah, with last kick of the game, missing Conor Callan as well. So you know, if you bring Con back into this. Jack back into it, Paul back into it. That's a that's a serious Dublin uh, unit. So yeah, it's going to be uh, great news for Dubs. Why do you think they came back, Oshin? I think it's just uh, it'll, the one thing I was thinking was as being part of the Leinster Championship this year, it'll help them bridge the gap between themselves and Wicklow. Uh, <laughs> an immediate reaction to me going into Leinster was to get the two boys back in. Um, why did they go back in? I think probably. It, whenever you sit back and you watch it, you think maybe you're not going to miss it as much as you actually do. Um, I think um, time away makes you realise that the opportunities you have through inter-county football are very precious. Um, and as much as you feel as if it's the right thing to do to walk away, to, um, you know, to, a bit of self-care, a bit of, you know, concentrating on yourself <laughs> there's still a massive draw you know what I mean like I, I think this year as much as you know people give out about the split season and, and how early the championship was there was an unbelievable focus I thought on you know the latter stages of the championship because there was, didn't seem to be a hell of a lot else happening sports wise and um, I think that semi-final if you're sitting there and you have the opportunity to play in it you haven't played in it I think there's an unbelievable uh, draw to get back into that. And I think also um, to be part of maybe the next uh, building process as far as Dublin are concerned um, and no one in your heart of hearts that you could be the difference between the Dubs winning and losing. And uh, club football fills the void. There's no, there's, no, there's no denying it, but there's nothing like, you know, Inter-county football, there's nothing like the big, big games, 
big semi-finals, finals, and I think that draw was just too much for them in the end. Um, and obviously, I think you know, it's something else as well, Oshin. I think it's something else. I think, I think it's not Kerry winning the All Ireland. Yeah. I, I don't know the two lads very well. I know I know them a little bit. I know Paul Mannion hardly at all, but I know Jack a little bit from UCD. And they're they're both tremendous fellas, like really, really great characters. And I think Jack is one of the finest fellas who I ever met. He's a really singular man who is well, he's a credit to himself and he's a credit to his family and all of that. And I think the challenge for him is more and for, for Paul Mannion, because I think it's harder to come back as a back than it is as, as a forward. And I think the example of Rory O'Carroll shows that fairly clearly. But I, And Paul has been playing at a really high level of club football over the last couple of years. And I, I, I think it's a challenge. Do you see this working out for them? Yeah, I think it, I think I can't see any, you know, downside to this for Dublin, really. And even though you 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 know you're talking about Jack McCaffrey, I think within those guys there has to be a serious in drive as an individual in order to turn things around and make them happen. And as you say, there's another side to the Jack McCaffrey thing because I think in life, you know, the way his life is, you know, the responsibility he has in his job. As a doctor, for those who don't yeah, know. Sorry, as a doctor. Um I think, you know, logistically it's probably more difficult for him to commit and get back in there but in order to to make that happen he probably has had to turn a lot of things around he's probably have to call in a favor or two as as he goes along but i think um challenging yourself like that and the way he wants to challenge himself to see can he get back in there and i know you talk about it's tough as a defender but jack mccaffrey isn't renowned as being a defender really he's 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 renowned as you know uh cutting holes through defences. He's renowned as um, uh, somebody who has the pace to um, get through the, to get through you know the the most packed of defences. And I think the other thing about uh, Jack McCaffrey is he seems to me, and I don't know the fella, but he seems to me to be very mentally strong. And oh yeah. If, he, if he's if he's that mentally strong, <clears throat> then he won't accept going back in there and being a bit part. And uh, and when you have that driving force, and backed up by the quality the two lads have, then it's a no-brainer for for uh, for Dublin. I'd say Desi Farrell is a very relieved individual to have them back. I, I think be, that's right. Be, one, one second, Brian. One second. Yeah. Brian. I think that's right about Jack. He's really mentally strong. I disagree about his defending. I think he became an excellent tackler. I know he's renowned for going forward, but he was brilliant at showing lads the line. And turning it back out and getting stripping lads, he became an excellent defender as time as time went on. Uh, Brian, sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. Just just kind of follow up there for what she was saying is, defenses aren't just going to go back into this for the sake of going back into it. They know what it takes to play at this level. They know the commitment that's been been involved in it. So this isn't just a whim or look, we we'll go back and we'll have a go and we we'll see how we get on with it. They know what's involved in commitment that goes to playing at the county level, and they know in particular the commitment that is expected of them and the standards that are set by Dublin. So I like for them just this isn't something that you know, look, we'll just go back and we'll we'll have a cutoff and we'll see how we get on. There's big commitments involved in this. And I think one of the big things for Jack over the last couple of years was the fact that he his job we're after coming out the back end of a well, hopefully the back end of a pandemic, where I don't think his work allowed him to be involved in football from the point of view of being involved in dressing rooms, in involved mixing with players. I don't think that was going to happen with COVID over the last two years in the job that he was in inside working in hospital. I just think it was never going to mix. And I think he had to make the call what was more important, his job or the football. So I think that's where that probably came from in his perspective. Um, but look, as I said, these two fellows are coming back into this setup knowing what's involved, they know the work, they know the commitment is there, they've been there, they've done that. I just think that they'll hit the ground running. I don't think there'll be a fear of these fellas. They know what it's going to take to get to the level of fitness required. Um, like you said, Paul Paul Mannion's been playing good compared to football, but he's such a natural, natural footballer. He's, he'll, he'll come back yeah, and, kiss and, he, and he'll hit the ground running. There'll be no fear of him. I'm just wondering when they go back into the change room, are they, is it going to be the same change room as they left? 
and there's a there is a question mark over that. So I suppose you know it's up to Dublin to make sure that the that the the standards and the and the way that those two boys you know the change room those two boys would have left that it's as close as they possibly can be to that whenever they walk back in so that adds a little layer of pressure to desi and the boys to make sure that it's right but it looked as if it was be, it was getting there um obviously towards the latter latter end end of the championship you know that, they were only beaten by a point that works two ways though too Oshin, in the sense of i would imagine desi will be looking to them as well yep. to actually bring what they brought I mean, look in any list. Uh, when you know, if Jack or Paul drew up a list of pros and cons, and literally from their age to their desire, and I think Paul's right to the fact that do they really want to sit aside and watch Kerry start building dominance again? I think the list of pros way out, way outweighed the list of cons. But in terms of the standards, whether it's a different dressing room or not. I don't think they're the type of players anyway, Paul, are they, that would go back in and expect to be kind of, you know, um, expect to be brought up to speed. They're the ones that have actually been there, done that. They're the ones that will actually come yep. in. There'll be, there'll be players in that dressing room looking to them now to set the standards as well. I know you're a, stu a keen student of football and history, Tony, and I want to frame up the great Kerry team of the 80s who did four in a row, lost the next two very narrowly, like by obviously late goal against Offaly, late goal against Cork in 82 and 83. But two-year gap, they came back and did three in a row. Mm. Is this something you might see possibly happening again, Dublin? I don't know. I mean, the very popular narrative after this year's All-Ireland was Kerry were the best team, but there's no dominance there stretching into the next three or four years. And is that, I just wonder, is that because people feel that there are a lot of other contenders or do people feel that this was a one in a row Kerry team you know when like, when Kerry won the All-Ireland and again there's another do you think do you think it's a one in a row Kerry team um I don't but then again I think as a reference point Paul it's more relevant to go to 2014 than to go back to the 80s because 2014, Kerry won in All-Ireland, and by Eamon Fitzmaurice's own words, they were actually better in 2015 than they were in 2014. Brian would know this better than me. They played fantastic football, but on a really, really, they picked a really bad day to have a bad day in the All-Ireland final against Dublin. So, I mean, it's it's very facile talk to be talking about, is it one in a row? Is it three in a row? Right now, looking ahead to 2023, I'd say Carrier as well prepped as anything. There's a few, I've seen some county championship games already. There's at least three or four guys being talked up as guys that would be spirited straight into the side for the National League. So that's obviously going to create a good vibe there. Right now, they're the side that needs to be knocked off. I, I'm, you know, whether they win, whether they're the best team, whether they can do two, three, four in a row. I don't think they're a four in a row team, if that's the question you're asking me. But you never know with these things. I would imagine after 1980, Three down in Parky Cueve, I'd say Dwyer and the boys thought this is done. You know, they're after losing two heartbreaking losses, two last-minute goals. You've done your four in a row. You never did the five in a row. Dwyer has said many times since, if they hadn't lost in 82, 83, they certainly wouldn't have done 84, 85 and 86. So there are various motivations and motivating factors in terms of what you do and don't do. But I think Kerry are in a really good place going into 2023. But there's no doubt in the world Dublin will improve. But doesn't that also improve the likes of Kerry and all the other contenders? Doesn't that also raise the bar for everybody else to say, OK, I see the cards now that Dublin are after putting down the table. Let's get our stuff together here. Let's get prepped. You know, let's get planning. I, I, I think it's good for football. I think Jack McCaffrey is a sight to behold on a football field. I really do. I've been watching Paul Mannion with Kilmacud over the last six months. I think Jack McCaffrey is a sight to behold on any football field, and I think it's great that he's back. Yeah, for the for, for the greater good of the game, it's um it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to see. The what's also been wonderful to see, and we're not going to get mired into a, a split season conversation here. There's been enough talk about it. 
we have to wait until the split season has tried for a year or for two years before we pass judgment on something. We're in, we're in the early stages of, of it. At least that's how I would see it. But the club championships. Well, let's let's we're, let's just look in the round at the club championships. Brian, have you have you what's been the feeling around the Kerry Championship? As of the Kerry Championships, there seems to be uh, <laughs> quite, quite a remarkable structure down there. Well, I don't, I don't understand how people can't get their head around it. It's, it's, it's very straightforward. <laughs> I suppose I'm growing up. I agree. The whole time, you've got. Well, explain, explain it to everyone there who's listening. What, what is the structure in Kerry? Was it, is it eight senior clubs, Tony? If I'm mistaken, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's it. So you've eight senior clubs that are senior that are senior championship clubs. So yeah, I'm lost already. Yeah. <laughs> they have they have their own club structure. In the club championship, you have your senior club championships, which is all your senior clubs. Then you have your intermediate, junior, novice, or junior, premier, junior B. And every club then plays in their own grade. Uh, grade, exactly. Yeah. Then when it comes around to the county championship, you have those eight senior clubs who are senior. They go on their own in the county championship, and the rest of the of the county then are amalgamated in their district boards. South Kerry come together, the nine clubs of South Kerry. Mid Kerry come together with their selection of clubs. East Kerry get together. Like East Kerry now, for example, have or have all of the Legion, um, Kilcommon, uh, Rapmore, all combined. You were ex- excluded in the Crokes, who are obviously a senior club. Spa are a senior club. They're not in with East Kerry. So they're East Kerry teams, but they're on their own the county championship. And that's what it is. But the great thing about the county championship, I think, in Kerry, is every person gets an opportunity, and no matter what club level grade you're at, to play in the county championship. So if I just take, for example, Valencia Highland, who are struggling, who don't have a senior team at the moment down here, they can players that can play with South Kerry, and they get the opportunity to play in the county. They play in the junior championship as a club, and then they play as a mal- an amalgamation with right. South Kerry. Exactly. Right. So if I just take the example of two fellows from Port from Valencia, in Brendan O'Sullivan and Paul Sullivan, they're two brothers. We won the county championship in 2015. These fellas were playing in Valencia, down at the bottom in, in, in Division 5. There's not a hope in hell they'd ever, ever be looked at, at from the point of view of Kerry. Playing Division 5 football, they wouldn't be on the radar. They wouldn't be sending out playing for, for, for a manager for the likes of Memphis Morse Coliseum. But all of a sudden, they're training with South Kerry. South Kerry win the county championship in 2015. And all of a sudden, Brendan and Paul are inside training with Kerry and playing with Kerry the following year. That's the I think that's the benefit of what we have down here in Kerry is that every player has an opportunity to to represent at the play in the county championship, and I think if you look even out at the moment in the in the Khmer district where Khmer are gone senior, Temple Oregon gone senior, that that district board has more or less been dismantled because you've two Cisco Garvin who have no clubs or don't have, who aren't strong enough to field a district board team, but those players are allowed to pick and choose. They can go play with South Kerry, or they can go play with East Kerry, and they get a choice. So they get the opportunity. They get the opportunity to play county champion football. And the county champions represent Kerry in the Munster Championship, except no, no. the regional team. No, yeah, yes. exactly. That's that, that's one of the reasons for the club championship. championship. Okay, you, you have a club championship first, and those club champions represent Kerry if a divisional side goes on and wins the county championship. Oshin, I hope you're taking notes here now because we don't have any quiz about this. No, lad, in fairness, the, I think the, the key part of this, and, and uh, yeah, I agree, I know what you're saying. Sometimes when you're talking about a different county, it can be confusing. The key point is what Brian said, and I'd back it 100%. And not every county can say it, Paul. The lowest player in the lowest grade gets yeah. a chance to play senior county championship football in Kerry. If they, if they aspire to it. It's a classic player pathway model where you can aspire to be the structure is there to correct uh, and i think what it also does as well is it, it also strengthens the county championship because you've got competitive games competitive teams if you weren't playing at that standard the standard of football wouldn't be as good you're now getting yeah, so this is the big question this is where i'm getting at here is it, it does. does it raise the standard of football in kerry the structure which is followed it, it i tell you what the, the club championship does that of itself um, the club championship is ridiculously cutthroat in Kerry. There's only eight senior teams. There's two groups of four, and there's a relegation every year. So you have, like, literally, you have, like, Dr. Croaks were in the relegation final last year against Legion. They were 60 minutes from being relegated to the intermediate grade. So it's that cutthroat. The county championship, I would probably argue, Brian, probably uh, the standard is high, but it's not as cutthroat. Uh, in the sense that 
Like, for instance, East Kerry are runaway favourites for the championship this year because it's just a cyclical thing, Paul. Their amalgamation at the moment is, even without spawn croaks, is ridiculously um, is ridiculously strong. There was I was at their game against Strand Road a couple of weeks ago, and there was a laughable stat that and Brian used to play in goals in his younger days. They had they had the choice of four Kerry keepers uh, to play in goals. Now Shane Ryan actually played full forward for them, the actual Kerry keeper. But you have all those strengths in East Kerry plus the very small and insignificant detail of the Fossa club as well, who happened to furnish David and Paddy Clifford and throw them into the mix for East Kerry. So, so, so is the, the Fossa club has has played played in the junior championship this year. Yeah, they're in the yeah. semi-final. In the semi-final. Yeah. I know people who have travelled from Dublin to watch yeah. play yeah. in the Kerry Junior Football Championship. I know people who have travelled. I know of a family who travelled from West Cork over to to, to, to the field in Fossett so that they could so that the young lad could play on I'll, the same field that David Clifford played on. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I my cousins, uh, my. All my cousins are above in uh, Cortown in, in Meath, just outside Kells. You'd know it well, Oshin, up that side of the country. Um, and they were they come down on holidays every year, and they rang me the weekend we're coming down, and they said, um, what games are on this weekend? It was a club championship weekend, Brian. And I said, actually, it's a great game. I, we're only three or four miles outside. Mm-hmm. I said, it's a great game inside in town. I said, Stacks are playing, Karen's O'Rahilly's senior club championship, cracking game, local derby, half six hour evening, perfect for you. And he says to me, uh, is David Clifford's crowd playing at all? I says, oh, they are. I says, but they're a premier junior now. I says, they're playing out in Castle Gregory, I think, on the Sunday. And that was it. Abandoned Tralee, went out to Castle Gregory on the Sunday, sent me a load of pictures on the Sunday evening of his wife was doing video. of, And this is happening, Paul, every single time us are playing. The minute the final whistle is over, there's hundreds of kids running onto the field surrounding David and Paddy Clifford. And in fairness to David, I don't know where he's getting the patience, but not once, not once have I ever heard even of him brushing somebody off or saying, look, leave me alone. He's, he's, he seems to stand there time after time after time. And it, it's incredible. I mean, purely as a Kerry supporter i'd be worried about the wear it would have on him eventually because the guy is still only 23 he's now started full-time employment by the way in the set in st brendan's teaching in killarney and but it's just it's it's bonkers what's actually going on down in kerry i mean he's literally a one-man carnival i mean i would imagine when fusser are playing away from home the other the, the the home club must absolutely be rubbing their hands every Saturday or Sunday. They must be setting up burger stalls, coffee shops, <laughs> yeah, jersey sales, the lot, because they're multiplying their attendances like by 10 yeah, every yeah. time he actually shows up. And I'll just give you a little bit of local intrigue. They're in the semi-final of the Premier Junior Championship. They're on the other side of the draw. They're actually playing, Fuss are playing Ardfert. And my crowd Ballymac who probably would be favourites for the championship are playing Listroy in the other semi-final and if the two of them get through David Clifford's mother is from Ballymac so oh. he would literally be coming home so there's a very ambivalent attitude as you can imagine in Ballymac towards the Cliffords it's kind of like well he should really be they should really be playing here like for us so if the two of them were to meet in a final I think it'd be very interesting yeah I've I've uh, I've a mother from road uh, we haven't really spoken since last Sunday's county final. A new thing for bad when uh, she had the medals that her grandfather and great, or that her father and great and grandfather won, going back 40, 50, and then a hundred years out on the table. When I wrote down, I thought this is not going to be. <laughs> and so it turned out. Oshin, the Monaghan Championship. You're you're embroiled in that. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah. Uh, ten teams uh, split into two groups of five. Uh, top team goes straight through the semi-finals, and then two plays three from one side, and three plays two from the other side. So, uh, in quarterfinals, and then it's it's semi-final stage. So that's you're, stage you're in now. and then there's relegation. You're the manager of Inniskeen Grattans. Yeah. What's the story? 
the story is we are in the semi-final. We play Scottstown, who've won the last 400 uh, Mullen Championships. We play them in the uh, play them in the semi-final on Sunday. Um, they beat us last beat us last year uh, fairly convincingly in in the semi-final. Um, the the one on penalties at the weekend, the quarter-final. Uh, everybody I meet is telling me that. They're uh, they're well back from where they were, but uh, personally, I don't really see that because uh, you're looking through the prism of you know what we are doing and what what they're doing and where they're at and where we're at, and then you look at the players that they have and the experience that they have. But look, at, it's uh, it's nice actually to be there. Uh, it's Clonus, so it's a big occasion for all club footballers of the weekends. Double header, so it's one to look forward to. You're not, you're not putting 15 men behind the ball, you know. Uh, <laughs> only, only because we can't get 16. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can, can I? Obviously, Scottstown are are very successful, and Inniskeen have a long, long tradition in the Monaghan Championship. And for those people who don't know, the poet Paddy Kavanagh played in played in goal yes, for for, for Inniskeen most most famously. But beyond that, it's it's a it's a long-standing traditional club in in Monaghan do they really do, do the players believe or are they a semi-final team by that I mean do the, do they they have their clearly so I've seen them play right and they look like there's a lot of good footballers there who are good enough to get to a county semi-final do they have the belief and the ability to get to a final and win that final well, I think the fact that they now have become a bit more consistent and that this is, you know, the third semi-final in a row, I think probably they're starting to believe. Whether they believe or not, just unfortunately, as a manager, you just don't know that until the, until the ball's thrown in. Um, I would say that we, we lacked belief in the last, certainly last year. Um, we were riding the crest of a wave the first year. That, um we were actually absolutely horrendous in the first half. We played a semi-final two years ago. We, uh, we were horrendous. We were getting beat by eight or nine, and we scored one sixteen in the second half of the game. So we, uh, they, they, as you say, like ability-wise, the ability is there. Um, it's just you know adding the next couple of layers to that. And again, as I say, if I had the answer to it, I'd, I'd be a lot more settled and sleeping a lot better than I than I am. But, um. It's it's really down to you know how you react to the situations that you put in on, at the weekend and the big games. What's it, what's it like to go? What's it like to go into a club as an outside manager? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't find. I didn't find any upheaval whatsoever. Uh, I think the initial thing is to get to know the people around around the club. Um, I suppose like. It's different for me. Like, I mean, it takes me about 15 minutes to get from my house to Enniskeen. I would say that both both the cross community and Enniskeen community are, are quite similar in the in in a lot of in a lot of ways. They're, they're fairly rural. Um, they have like Enniskeen for anybody who who will have like they usually take Kerry there in the National League when they go up there. So, like the, the setup and the and and. The conditions that the players are playing under, and 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 everything else. I mean, it has absolutely everything. It's an unbelievable club. The people that are walking in the background are are unreal, and there's a there's a there's a hunger for success, and that is as far as they're concerned, winning the senior championship. So, I mean, that'll be the drive, and that will continue to be the drive uh, behind the club. What's it like to go into a club? As I say, the biggest thing is is getting to know the individuals. Um, you know, and and you're you're you you expect the bounce, okay? So the bounce is the initial thing, but unless there's a bit of substance behind that initial bounce, you you're probably not gonna, you know, you're not gonna be able to maintain it. But um, I've loved my time there. Um, it's been uh, it's been great, and 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 as well, I suppose, like I'm working with lads who have a history of winning things. Um, they've won minor titles and stuff like that so and a minor a title which uh, i don't think they'd ever won before so i'm i'm lucky because i've you know maybe six seven eight of those players who've all come through 
and they are probably leading the thing now. Well, so there's similarities to a point and there's success to a point, but you're, you're, there's two towns 15 minutes apart, Ross McLean, multiple All-Ireland winners, let alone Armagh Championship winners. Why, why have, in recent history, why have Cross McLean been successful and Inniskeen haven't? Well, Inniskeen also won an Intermediate All-Ireland as well, so they, they have a little bit of history, you know, as far as, you know, being able to, to achieve these things, but I think it's, it comes down to a numbers game. I think, you know, it's, uh, you know, Cross just would have a, a bigger pick. Um, they probably have more players playing. Um in a scheme, it's not mentality. Is, so, is it mentality? I suppose a little bit of it is mentality, but I would argue that unless we, um, you know, broke the duck in two, 1997, I'm not sure if there would have been all Ireland's in 2011. So you have to, you know, there's somebody has to has to cross the line. Somebody has to change things, and when you change things, then the people who are coming behind you have a look at that and are inspired by that. Um, like I remember, I often talk about Paul McKeown. He was captain in 2000 and 2011. He was 23 when he was captain. And uh, I remember before we went out one day, he says, I remember going in to watch Oshin and, and Tony Mack and John Mack and Francie. Uh, and we were all in the change room, <laughs> still playing. And he, he said, I remember going in the first time he's won all Ireland. It was on my father's shoulders. He probably thought that was a great thing to say, but I was thinking, Jesus, how old are we? You know, it's time for us to get out of the change room. But it just shows you, though, that, that that's the thing that he that he took with and run with. And we probably got, for every All-Ireland we won, we probably got three, four clinkers to come in and join the panel from various grades, whether it be 18, 16, 14s, whatever it was at that time. So that's a huge thing. Somebody has to break the door. That whole tradition works, isn't it? That's how. That's the whole thing about tradition. You're not beaten by a jersey. You're beaten by the expectation level of success and by the manner in which success pulls people into you. Isn't that really how tradition works? When it works properly, it is. It is, and it just takes a. It takes a, an unbelievable effort to cross the line the first time, and that's never as difficult after that. Yeah. 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 That's, that's yeah. I mean, I I think that's you see that Oshin all over the place somebody has to put down the marker initially whether you're going back 10 20 30 40 years i mean that's what builds um one word is tradition uh, i think you're probably accurate paul in saying that's what builds expectation because that paul McKeown then is in a dressing room where he expects to win and i think that's the difference between what you're talking about in paul in, in terms of in a scheme um, you know, in terms of expectation, in terms of being there, done that. Every county has those clubs that they actually carry. You know, there's an old saying in Cork, you know, which I hate to be honest with you, but it's an old saying about, you know, throwing the jersey out on the gate, you know, frightening the opposition basically before the games even started. I think every every county has those. And you, you look at Cross McGlynn, it doesn't really matter what Cross McGlynn team goes out if you're the opposition. I think you're already five percent on the back foot. That's the difference, isn't it? And um, but it's getting yeah, it's getting it's getting to the point where you have that five or ten percent is the critical thing. It's, it's unbelievable the way that wanes, though. You know yeah, what I mean? Agree. A, a, a little period of a little period of of uh, of you not being maybe as dominant as you once were. And and I'll refer to this, and we probably have referred to it before. Um, when the things started to go wrong with United. And uh, the aura started to leave. Um, it's amazing the teams that came and just, you know, were able to turn United over in Old Trafford. And and you like for years you never really seen as that was going to happen. And I see it was, I see it with a lot of teams who you know who who are right at the top. A good few teams in Ulster actually right at the top, and and all of a sudden then there's absolutely zero fear of them. And that's where again where things start to change. But the tradition never never stops it just takes an, the next group of of hungry gays who are gonna put you back up there and when you get back up there then you you get you know to you, the old memories come back and the aura around the jersey comes does come back yeah but i i think an awful lot of that down is down to the certain characters 
that's inside in the dressing room that's setting the standards. And I suppose I can only speak from my own experience in my own club that when I walk into the dressing room door, Morris Fitzgerald was playing with us. Like, and all of a sudden you have an expectation as to, right, he knows what's, what is required to win. My fourth year in Valo is 15 years of age. I was playing in goal with, with, with the club. And we went on to win the intermediates in Kerry. We won the county league division one. We won three soccer championships. And all of a sudden, I'm here, 15 years of age, and I'm getting introduced to winning a division one county title, winning intermediates, winning three soccer championships in a row. And all of a sudden, then that that hunger, that success, I got a taste of it. And I, I speak about it with Kerry winning the All Ireland this year. They got that taste for success, and that's where I'm really hoping that they finally have that taste of success and they want more of it, that they're not just going to say, oh, I've won my medal and that's great, put my back pocket and I'll be forever known as, a, as an All-Ireland winner. No. And I think that's the one thing we had a culture in our dressing room and I think it came from the likes of Morris and it came from other senior players within the club of what was expected of you. And I think then what happens is when you see younger fellas coming in and they, you can get a few fellas and integrate them into the setup, and they all of a sudden realise, okay, this is what it takes to win. This is the standard that was set by so-and-so in the dressing room. And I, like you said, Oshin, when the young fellas came into the dressing room and they saw the standards that were set by the likes of yourself in the McEntees, all of a sudden they knew what it takes to win. It. But you set the culture of what it takes to win. I think that's massive in a setup is, you know, the one thing we always kind of said in Kerry was you always leave the jersey in a better place. And I think you have to set standards within the county setup, within your club, that when you walk away and leave it, you've left that jersey in a better place and that whoever comes in to take your jersey he knows the standards that are expected of you. He then has to raise the standards again. And when he moves on, he leaves the jersey in a better place for somebody else to be into it. But I think an awful lot of cultures, is, is, it depends on the setup and the individuals within the club, within the team as well. You have to have a kind of a leader or a father figure, I believe, within the team as well to bring these young fellas along and set the standards. It's not Tony, you were Sorry, Oshin, off you go. No, 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 Tony was talking about, you know, uh, guys going from all over the country to, to go and watch David Clifford. We had a man from Brian's club who used to come up. Um, still does on a regular basis. Does, yeah. I remember, I remember uh, him standing under the lights one night and in cross, we don't really do stranger that great. And uh, I remember somebody saying, somebody needs to that's, go over an interview. That's quite the statement, don't you? That's quite the statement. <laughs> somebody needs to go over and interview that man very quickly. So, because uh, we thought he was from, maybe from a different club or whatever. So, he, this man on a regular basis would drive up, he'd watch cross games, cross training sessions, and he would drive straight back down the road. He was offered tea, uh, curry, whatever we were having after the thing. Never bothered. He just maybe chatted to myself or Tony Mack and he'd uh, tip on down the road. Still be in, in contact with him. But uh, yeah, it was amazing for somebody like us to think there's somebody coming up from Brian Morris Fitz's club to, to have a look at our training because he'll always, he'll always text me and he'll always say that that's proper football used by playing. And it, it's funny because he, he's still involved in the club. He's in charge of the club at the yeah. moment with us. And he still travels up and he still takes home drills from what you do above. And this is how you, the drills you were doing, the kicking drills. And he brings them down. And it's, it's, it, this, this majority, he travels everywhere. He's football obsessed. He goes everywhere with football. And like that, he's a fierce fondness for, for you guys up there. So, um, yeah. It's very fond of him as well. Yeah, yeah but you, you've, you've, you've tipped at something there that I think really matters as well. It's It's... It's not just the players and it's not just the actual coaches on a particular team. It's the whole atmosphere around the club and what there are so many successful clubs seem to me to have really top quality officers, really top quality volunteers helping out in a whole lot of different ways. And actually, Yoshin, I was thinking about this earlier. Your mother made a brilliant point. I met your mother about 20 years ago. That's something she made a brilliant, a brilliant point to me when you were in the middle of your, your, your run and the point was how much money it cost the town to, to, to keep the whole thing going. And by that, obviously, you had to curry after your dinner or you're going traveling. Or it takes money to go on a bus to Croke Park or, or to do all of these things. It requires a lot of people to raise that money and people to contribute that money. So it, it works. In a, that's only a very small section of it. But without it, the rest of it doesn't go. 
Yeah, and even for supporters and that, you know, following you around the country. I mean, the credit union was a uh, was a godsend, at, you know, at that time. And, and you just you, when you're when you're on that run, nobody wants to miss anything. Nobody wants to miss out. Nobody wants to not be there. But I think it's a lot easier to raise a few quid whenever things are going rightly, rather than you know when you're trying to to get things up to that level. But when you actually get up to that level, the money is is something which just you know. Uh, sorts itself out, I suppose. But yeah, it takes huge fundraising for years. Uh, like my mom and and there's probably what six, seven, eight, maybe others who run the club Lado and still run it. Um, and they call it Lado Mafia. Uh, you don't you don't enter the club. You don't interfere with anything. They do. They do it. They give you you know the money's there at the end of the week, and and you just roll on. And that has kept the club going for years and years. You know. We, 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 we can't move on from talking about clubs and we will be talking in a minute about inter-county management, but we can't move on from this without saying well done to Tony on Douglas's stunning achievement, minor football and minor hurling championships. Tony, I know you were captain or you were manager, not captain, of the minor. <laughs> of the minor. That, would be, <laughs> that would be quite the operation. Um, the manager of the minor football team, um, how many of those players will play senior football for Douglas? Oh, that's yeah. We were we were down in the we were down in the club Monday night after the final, and I would say that was the entire topic of conversation because Douglas, as a club, have a an unflattering history of doing things at underage and not carrying it through to senior. They've never won a senior championship in hurling or football. Um, why does it happen? There's 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 so many reasons. I'm sure they're replicated in 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 cities and big towns all over the place. Um, obviously the dual code uh, is an issue. Uh, it was a challenge this year. I mean, we had in the panel, Paul. I think we had something like eighteen dual players uh, on the starting on the starting fifteen last Monday night. We had nine or ten dual players who had played the hurling final the previous Monday, like literally seven days ago. Um. You know, I, I think I think a huge, huge, huge debate at the moment is what's happening at under 17, under 18, or not happening, as the case may be. Um, like, this Douglas team um, that I was involved in is an exceptional group of young fellas. And I mean exceptional group of young fellas. There isn't a bad apple in the entire group. Their work ethic is unbelievable, which is unusual. For 17-year-olds nowadays that don't have the same focus and concentration span, their work ethic is fantastic. They really, really do. But the huge concern, a huge concern for me, having put the last two and a half years in with them as coach, is where do they go now? There's no under-18 structure as we stand for these lads next year. And, you know, you don't start throwing around glib phrases like, golden generation and all that kind of stuff because you know there's all sorts of golden generations that around in clubs and counties that never come to fruition but there's a very special group in that club at the moment and i'm genuinely worried concerned for what happens them next year a they're not physically able to play senior b they're probably not good enough to play senior and c they're actually not allowed to play senior as the rules currently stand there's there's an age grade committee which has been sitting in Crow Park and has reported, and you saw the, the results of their suggestions last weekend, uh, none of which are satisfactory in my point of view. There's no pathway. There's no proper direction. There's no proper leadership. There has to be, there has to be an under 18 grade, a structured, properly outfitted under 18 grade locally and nationally next year. I have a group of young lads who are in fifth year. No, they're only in fifth year. They are going to basically go into 2023 with no leaving cert and no hurling or football. The absurdity of that, I, I mean, in fairness, I know I've been banging a drum about it. Carol Kane, in fairness, Oshin in the Irish News has been banging a drum about it as well. Um, and very, very eloquently, I might say, I just cannot understand why more clubs uh, are not absolutely hammering the table over this. I think it is a massive, massive issue for the future of the GA, 
I I agree. I also think that the opportunity to fix this was in the split season. It offers it entirely. It means that you can allow players still have their leave in certain times where they can do stuff. But the idea, so you, so it seems to me that a lot of the reason why it was moved younger was because inter-county or people playing playing minor were involved in leaving cert at the time that matches were being organized. So that's so easily fixed if that's the primary reason. No logical explanation has been offered to me, certainly, or that I can see, apart uh, from that. So this is now relatively easy to fix. It is an app, I agree with you, it's an absolute failure of, of leadership. And it is, it is a classic example of the GAA getting in its own way. And it, it will cause players leaving the association who will Correct. Correct. And I think in fairness, Paul, in fairness to, to the decision makers, it is fair to point out that the primary sticking point, the key crux in this is the decoupling from senior hurling and football. There is a view that even if it goes to under 18, those players should still not be allowed to play senior. I agree with that in the context of a Douglas. But if you're talking about, as Brian was talking about, a rural team who rely on 17 and 18 year olds to actually fill their senior team, then you're punishing small clubs as well. So to be fair to the decision makers, there is a crux at the heart of this. Everybody thinks, everybody that I've spoken to thinks it's an absolute given that there's an under 18 competition next year. Should be at inter-county, but certainly at club. The key issue is... Are those players allowed to play in the adult grades within their club or not? Yeah, I, I, do you know what? It's really interesting to watch what's happened up here in in Dublin on, say, for example, Camogie and Ladies Gaelic Football, where there is no such bar. So I trained the Ladies Gaelic Football minor team in Plunkett's and girls from that team played adult football at the, for the senior team in the club and played 16-year-olds and played senior camogie in the club as well. And it was a real problem to manage it in terms of availability for training and fixtures. We work it out fine, really good managers and all of those teams, and it was fine. But our team would not be senior camogie if it didn't have access to those four or five minor girls who were fundamental to them developing. So I see that. I do see that. But there's, there's a huge... The amount of collateral damage, the amount of collateral damage to the association in fixing that one particular problem is really enormous. It is. It is. Um, I think in any scenario, I mean, with that minor team that we're, you're, you're just talking about in Douglas, um, the key, there was a lot of challenges there, but the key effectively was that the structure pushing with the same management teams for both sides, the only difference was Willie Coveney coached the hurlers and I coached the footballers. That was the only difference. So we were able to work hand in glove together and you need that and you would need that. But I'm not certain, Paul, it would be as readily available in clubs between underage and adult. And I've seen what it. Is, I've is, been a manager and I've seen it happen whereby you say to a minor lad, you know, I need you in the squad next week for a county league game. And the manager manager says, "No, you're not getting him. Sorry, uh, he's a minor force. We have first call on him." So, like, let's not simplify it to the point of saying it's just a flick of a fingers and it's sorted. But you're right, Paul. The issue is so fundamental to the future and to the future numbers playing hurling and football at 18 years of age that it has to be urgently sorted. And I mean urgently, as in this winter. Oh, like no, this, no, this, this, is, this has to be done by the end of November. This has yeah, to be placed by the does. end of November. Like, it does. Like, to do it any other way is, 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 is a nonsense. We want to move. Listen, Tony, we, 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 are, bla we are graced here to have two inter-county um, managers stroke coaches with us today. Yes. And um, we need to talk about the fact. I want to talk about, first of all, though, two counties that don't, or, or, or two, two counties that don't have managers. First of all, Donegal and Roscommon. Oshin, why do Donegal and Roscommon not have managers? Um, they don't seem... People, first thing is that they don't seem to be knocking down the door in order to get the job, in order, in order 
to look for the job. Uh, I also think that um, I just think it's it's poorly done by by county board. To be honest, uh, I can't see any reason why you know you couldn't just you know pull it out there, get your candidates together, or if you really want, if you go about it properly, go and get your top three people and have a go at it. But so. So if you if if I'm let if if I believe what I'm what what I'm hearing is that you know Donegal have approached a number of candidates and nobody seems interested in it. Similarly, Roscommon, from what I've heard. Similarly, Roscommon. So there's a couple of different things with that. First of all, the level of the job, uh, the job in hand, as in time, logistics with Donegal, obviously. Um, so if you're looking for a Donegal manager, the first thing you're thinking about is probably suit somebody in Donegal. You know, when you think about the amount of travel and all those sort of things, think of where they're situated as far as their, uh, their training ground. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, but surely it's an attractive enough job for a for an up-and-coming manager. Has Division to be. One football. Division One football. Team that have underperformed, underachieved, and yet still have an unbelievable um, pool of players to choose yeah. from. So um, that First gives you an idea. Division one. Gives you an idea, though, though uh, Paul, about about what's involved. I think that's that's the big thing that I that's the big takeaway for me is that when Marscommon, Donegal, and Mullen, the three of them struggle, and and have been around a lot of corners. And Mullen have only sorted their stuff out in the last week or so. Um, but it gives you an idea of what's involved and how inter-county management maybe just isn't as attractive as it once was. Yeah, 100% agree. I, 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 yeah. Sorry, Paul, go on. Sorry, I just want to ask, Oshin, what did you think of the Mayo process? Uh, <laughs> got myself in a bit of bother with this one. Um but I don't care. I'll, I'll stick to my guns and say that at the end of the day, the, the, pro, the process w- was something I'd never been involved in before. So I didn't have a clue what was happening. So uh, I was involved in the process uh, in that I was part of a backroom team. But other than that, I didn't really have any involvement in the interview process or, you know, I, did, I never actually spoke to anybody from the county board or anything like that. So um, it, Ray did all of the, he put together the team. He did the interview, and they this is Ray Dempsey. yeah, Ray Dempsey, and they obviously went a different road with Kevin McStay. So it was it was fairly straightforward from from my point of view. Um, and did how did I find the process? As I say, it was fairly simple for me because I wasn't overly involved in it. I had a number of conversations with Ray, met him a couple of times, and then we we agreed that that I, we would go forward. Or I agreed that I would go forward as part of his uh, backroom team, and and that was it. The next I heard was that we hadn't got the job, or that Ray hadn't got the job. So therefore, I didn't have a job. Why did you want that job? Why did I want that job? Uh, it was it was probably a phone call I wasn't expecting first and foremost, uh, but it was a phone. It was something that I've that I thought about for a long time. And and probably a lot of coaches have, realistically. A lot of coaches have watched Mayo and thought, I can do better. We all think we can, you know, we can do better. So I suppose that's uh, I I would argue that I had seen more to, more of Mayo than I had of my own county. Uh I watched them and studied them and, you know through analysis and just through curiosity Did and you know what you wanted to do with them. Yeah. Now, whether the other the other people in the backroom team would have agreed with me or not, that would have been could have been a sticking point. But I uh, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And if you don't mind me saying so, um, the logic the logic of your taking the Mayo coaching position was fairly radically turned on its head the following week when you were announced as the manager of of Wicklow. Well, there'd been a conversation in the interim period. You know, I had spoken to Wicklow a number of years ago 
um, about the possibilities and just didn't really suit me. We were just after uh, the arrival of the third child had, had uh, put a dampener on, on me doing anything other than something local uh, club-wise. And um, that conversation had been had done before. I had I'd stayed in contact um, and probably picked my interest, I suppose, in Wicklow a lot. And again, started to watch a little bit more of them. Um, I started to find out a little bit more, well, a lot more about them. And uh, sat there and had a conversation and took, <laughs> took that conversation back to the house. And, uh, <laughs> How did you do that? Did That's you do that? the bit I want to know well, I bought a flower. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I come home, to be honest, to be honest, I suppose like it started with the Mayo thing, and you know, myself and Dreena sat down, and we had this com this conversation had been had before, yeah. and it also um, we'd also gone down a good way of the road of of almost doing something before, and and then just. Realizing that it wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna work. Um, but this time around, there's a lot of things that have that are probably in a better place. Um, the kids are a bit older, um, and um, how did it work? To be honest, I, I broached the subject and, and I I got a reaction that I didn't think I was gonna get. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, she 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 seemed she seemed happy with it. I mean, look. She supported everything I've ever wanted to do, and and if she knows if I really want to do something, at the end of the day, without being a selfish kid, I'm probably going to do it. You know, um. So I I had a real inkling that this is what I wanted to do. Uh, I've done projects before, and you know, when in the DKT when they're at a very low web and tried to build that up, and and probably have had a history and probably doing stuff like that. So that's why I wanted to do it. Um. Yeah. And you really are starting its structures from the base for, for, from under uh, uh, from well from Division Four. Yeah, no, it's 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 a low it's a low base, um, and I think uh, uh, I think it can improve quickly. I'm not Whereas gonna, I'm not going to say that uh, you know what, so if I heard an intercounty manager coming on saying this is a project, I say absolutely that's bullshit. He is he's bluffing, but. It, there is a certain amount of that in us, but also but I do think. Matches. But I also think that it can improve quickly. How and many? Yeah, it, how many? How long is it door to door, or she for training? It's two two hours to the training ground. Well, that's not too bad. Now somebody somebody from Wicklow has heard me say that before and said, "Yeah, in a in a helicopter." But no, it is it is two hours without breaking any major speed limits. Um, it's two hours door to door, so that's four hours before you do anything. So it's a huge commitment. And will you travel? Will you actually stay overnight, or will you actually come back? No, I'll travel. Will you? Yeah. Welcome here anytime, Mushin. Great to join you. Thanks. Well, Brian, on the other hand, you're not starting from Division Four. You're starting from the under twenty feeder team to the All Ireland champions. Why are you doing this? Um, I know I think the last time we were on the podcast the, the question was raised would I ever think of going to management and I think straight off the bat I said no I wasn't there yes I was contemplating going back to my football myself at the club level but uh, sometimes I just got a phone call from Tomas and Tomas Roche you know, yeah Tomas um, rang me about it and you know, when someone kind of we have Paul wants to know the dates on that. Turning <laughs> um, <laughs> the awfully situation. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, thinking uh, the same thing, Brian. Be mindful now of what you're saying. I know, yes, yes. Um, no, no, it was well after that. Don't worry, don't worry. There was, there was no constant. There's a wiretap. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know. Look, the phone call came, and do you know what? Sometimes when it was out of the blue, wasn't expected in the slightest. But when an opportunity that kind of comes knocking your doorstep, um, sometimes it can be very hard to say to say no to us. Um, I watched under twenties last year. Um, Declan was involved with them. Uh, I seen the two or three or two other games, and I knew there was a good bulk of that group. I think there was fourteen of last year's squad involved. Um, 
I would have been involved with the South Carolina Miners um, three years ago, so they'd be the under 20s coming up now. Um, we went to a semi county county semi final last to um, St. Brendan's. Um, so I, I've seen a couple of I've, that's we played a couple of challenge games, I've seen a lot of the players on place, so I knew there was a a good crux of, of a team there from that from that point of view. But um, I, it was just like that again, similar to Oshin. I had to sit down, talk to my wife, Isa, um, in relation to the involvement. We've, we've two young kids, uh, done as just started school, It'd be five in September, Dylan. It's only 14 months, so again, there was probably a lot of logistics uh, with regards to where training would be based. But I suppose I'm looking off from the point of view that we'll be based kind of and working in Castle Island. Um, so commuting, I'm already up that part of the, of the county for, for work purposes, so training uh, would be okay to get to. So I just think it was both the commitment. Um, I think obviously Ethan knows the commitment involved from the point of view of a player's perspective of being away two nights a week and then weekends and whatnot. So uh, we, we did discuss all that. And again, look, we just felt it was something that's, uh, that was going to, going to work for us. But um, I just think it's a great stepping stone. You're, you're involved in your 20s, um, nice age group, I feel. Um, you know, going, going into a senior setup is probably a lot more difficult from my perspective with, with, with no experience and trying to probably um, deal with fellas that I probably might have been involved with either playing or, or playing against might have been slightly a bit difficult but playing with the under 20s or against going sorry coaching under 20s it was probably always something like I saw myself going if I was to start off I'd like to start off with the youth or, and maybe go in there I just think you'd have a bit more of a chance to um, to work on and, and get them developed whereas senior you're already you're landing with them so I suppose that was one of my big things was to See if I could get involved in, in that side of this at, at the young age. What do you think? What do you think you'll bring to this? Um, I, I'd like to, well, I suppose, look, I'm not involved in the coaching role and there as a selector, but I'd like to bring my knowledge of the game from the point of view of obviously from, a, from an attacking perspective as, as a forward and maybe work with the forwards from the point of view of. Of what I expect from them with regards to walk race, with regards to movement off the ball, um, and likewise, even from the point of view, of just having my experience of, of what it takes to 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 win at that level. Um, I don't know. I suppose that's the one thing that I do. I'd like to just bring that bit of experience to these fellas. And I suppose if I could put myself, if I could talk to myself when I was twenty years of age or nineteen years of age, of what I know now. Um, what I'd be telling myself back then would be completely different to what I knew back then. So it's, it's an opportunity for me to be able to sit down to these fellas, talk to a couple of these fellas, give them the experience of a, of a fellow that has travelled this road before them and maybe not make the same mistakes that I made and probably, hopefully, get these fellas to, to try and buy into what, what you want them to do. But again, look, it's not just about me. It's, it's, it's collectively, as the management group, what we want to bring to the table. It's not just what, what I'm going to bring to it. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be the whole group about how we're going to approach it from the point of view of what players we have available to us, uh, what way we're going to go about playing football, how we want to play football, and uh, just probably take it from there and play what played football with the hand we're dealt with with the players we have and who's available to us. Now, it's a difficult task, I think, on our 20s. I think this is going back to where we had the difficulties as we spoke about at underage. You're dealing with players now that have come out of minor football at 17 years of age going to play under 20 football there's a massive age group of a gap there of three years so fellas coming out of minor you're saying they're not ready for senior football are they ready for inter-county football at 20 years of age there's a big step up we have fellas that are going to be playing school football and you fellas that are playing fresher football and you fellas playing Sigerson. you have fellas that are playing club football but aren't on your senior county championship club sites some fellas aren't making their divisional sites so in Kerry so there's a big scope I suppose of where we can't get to see these fellas playing at their own age level, at their own group. They're trying to play senior football, they're playing school football, they're playing Sigerson. There's a massive different level of where fellas are playing football. So I thought the big thing for us is to try and get these fellas together and to see what they're like playing at their own level against their own age group with their own standards. So that's the what I'm looking forward to to see where these fellas are really at. Do you care? Kerry haven't won in All Ireland under twenty or under twenty one as it was then since 2008 eight, eight, yeah yeah I mean, does that matter um are you are you prepping them for senior or are you trying to win an under 20 and you can't say both 
No, to be honest, you, I, I would say we're, we're prepping to win in All Ireland under twenty. I think that's what it is. I think um, I know the county board have their own procedures in place with Clayson and for for development of under eight footballers and minor to under twenty to senior. Simply because that that does that sort of gap we have now from under eight to senior. You know, it's it's very hard to to bridge, to bridge it, but. No, our our main focus is to win it at the All Ireland Under Twenty. That's straight out. That's exactly what it is. Um, uh, it's important because I think uh, I think this is a massive age group that we have. It's 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 not just in Kerry, but it's it's throughout that you have these fellas that are twenty years of age, and you would like to think that they've got their whole footballing career ahead of them. But it's a massive step to go into into county senior level, um, and I think that what we're trying to do is. That I like to think that we're trying to do is that we're going to get these fellas ready to compete and show them that if you want to play senior football, this is what it takes. At the, and you're going to start the year under 20, you're going to develop yourself, you're going to have to try and win in All Ireland along the process, get them into the good habits, get them into the habits of winning, as we spoke about earlier, about setting the standards of what's required. And I think if we can do that, and I think if even if you look back, uh, success. I think we have about carry the five in a row minor team that, that were there. A good bulk of those players have come out to senior football. Um, and I just think that that link that the under 20s, we haven't won it since 2008. And I'd like to think that if we can bridge that gap and maybe start winning a couple of All-Irelands, we'll hopefully see a few more players getting the breakthrough. Mm. Um, but I suppose, look, that's not our job at the moment. Our job is purely to go in and try and win an All-Ireland with this age group. Um, with that... I think we'll finish on that note. Um, we will be back in a few weeks. Well, some of us will be back in uh, a few weeks. Oshin, I know you've been on a, kind of a, a farewell tour of podcasts and television studios. It's like the Rolling Stones in its, uh, <laughs> in its, in its, in its breath. Um, but um, on a personal, I think you're going to come back to us uh, as often as you can but on a personal note I'd just like to say it's been an absolute pleasure over the last three years uh, to 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 do this with you um, and uh, you'll be you'll be badly missed by I think you imagine. promise you wouldn't cry <laughs> no but if you look behind the door there there's flowers about to walk through <laughs> you can pretend you got them for Dorina it's fine um, no but it's uh, it, it was been an absolute pleasure and we'll 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 talk to you soon and I it would just let me add, just let me add in that, Paul. Um, well, obviously, yeah, he's providing the bit of true quality and analysis in this group for sure. But you're only out as long as Wicko are still in the championship, Oshie. <laughs> so we can, can we set our clocks by that? You can. We could be long. We could be in it longer than you think, though. Sure. Good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> That's the way to talk about it. Thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast. To Raf Rocket, to Jack Neville, to Tony Lean, to everyone at Examiner Sport. Um, a huge thanks to Brian uh, and again to Tony for joining us today, and especially to, to Oshin for today and for the last three years. Bay Mitch Harnash Galoo. I'm grey, alright. I'm grey, alright. He's going to tip the scale. Just remember that. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo, we've got to get Andy Moran into the game. This is Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.